Hello and welcome to the Tent Podcast, that is to say, Thriving in Technology. Your hosts are Sam Moulton, Petra Stefanova, and Cecilia Taylor, all members of the Influence Marketing Team here at NetApp. For this episode, we're excited to have longtime tech reporter Kate Russell joining us. Well known for her work on BBC Click, we had the pleasure of meeting Kate in Barcelona last November when she hosted NetApp Insight. Journalist, reporter, author, blogger, gamer, streamer, Kate has a lot going on in her life, and we can't wait to learn more. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today, Kate. Oh, thank you for having me. We are happy that you are here. Um, we had such an uh, enjoyable time with you in Barcelona, and uh, I was so excited when you agreed to come on the show. And in preparation for that, I did a little snooping around stalking maybe even uh, <laughs> and in a totally non-creepy way yeah. and i have to say i'm blown away by you know all you've accomplished all the different irons you have in the fire all the different things you do so i i, I really wasn't sure how i wanted to begin but let's just take a look at you know how this whole conversation we're having today got started uh, our meeting backstage at netup insight and your ready engagement with the A-Team, you were just so gracious with them. And so you helped them, you know, calm any nerves they might have had about, you know, the event and that kind of thing. So tell us, what led you to hosting the event and what did you take away from that experience? Oh, yeah. Do you know what? I, I, I'm always excited when I meet um, influencers. Um, for the last, certainly for the last, um, I guess, five years, more and more companies are asking me to speak at events about influencer marketing and about, you know, how they reach audiences. Because I think we're beginning to see a fundamental shift in the way that you can advertise to people. Um, you know, people are much more likely to, uh, I think it's, they're five times more likely, according to research, um, to um, buy based on influence from a friend or a social media comment rather than from traditional forms of, of standard advertising. And with influencer marketing, what, um, uh, what brands can do is they can harness the passion that exists within their own communities. And if they give a bit back, you know, like you flew these guys from all over the world to be at the conference, you know, that's the thing they get back. They get early access to information and you know and and eyes on technology before everybody else that gives them credibility and currency in their world so it's a real two-way street and and I just love meeting businesses and influencers who are doing that right because I think it completely changes the dynamic of operating commercially in the world we live in which has gone digital and you know the future generations they want that kind of interaction. I, I, I speak for universities as well, um, and I speak about the, the future student. And Generation Z, you know, they're going to expect a, an interactive kind of two-way um, communication with the bodies that they deal with. And and, and it, everything's changing, and it, it's so refreshing to see it got right. Um, and it certainly was, you know, the enthusiasm backstage, all the crew at the, at the NetApp event, plus we were in Barcelona. So, you know, what's not to be happy about? <laughs> Right, right. So I have to say, people in the uh, that are listening to this podcast are going to think I wrote that segment for you because <laughs> it, it, it is exactly you know what I talk about um, when I'm trying to convince people to come on, you know, to get on board with this program and support it. Um, and it is, I, I, they really enjoyed you, and you know, we had fun taking those photos, and maybe we'll even include a few in the blog post that hopefully I'm going to write. Um, 
we're going to start a blog at some point here but yeah yeah and exactly and I mean, we've had a follow-up um you know meeting and chat as well you know I've, I've spoken to some of them and they you know they are now working to think about pitching ideas for me to pitch to BBC Click so that you know that pays the relationship forward this is good for everybody because the way I as a working freelance journalist get access to stories is by having other people go out there and find them for me you know I can't be on the doorsteps of every tech company and everybody who's doing everything in the world of tech so I rely on my own network of if you want to call them influencers you know um because they go out and they they'll, they'll find stories through the daily kind of machinations like for example I was chatting with one of your influencers you know about or what you know what are you interested in this week and he said oh his his dad was looking at stuff about drones with the uh you know with the um the Heathrow airport um on you know everything shut down at Heathrow airport because of drones sighted around the airport um you know and from that you know we're talking now about the possibility of him uh, you know going away and finding some ideas around drone technology to bring to me so this is great for me you know it's good for him because it gives him exposure and then it pays back to NetApp because one of NetApp's influences you know is getting broader exposure so this is the ecosystem that we live in people um, and if you know how to play it right and that involves supporting each other working together not seeing everybody as competition but actually seeing them as collaborators and then we can all forge ahead together well, I am thrilled to be one of your PRs, as you call them. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, Unpaid PRs is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and I, I agree with everything you're saying. And, you know, the A-Team has a number of members from the UK, and they're all big fans of BBC Click. So it would be a huge win if we could tie those two things together. And, you know, for yeah. those in our audience who don't know about BBC uh, Click, it is the BBC TV show covering consumer technology. And it's all about... Okay you know, futures and all the new cool things. And so I have to ask you, what's it like to travel all over the world covering stories about future <laughs> and sometimes what I what I would kind of interpret as like kind of scary technologies? Well, before I answer that question, I should just clarify. I just want to roll back on because obviously this is, you know, this is a po podcast that's going out to people. That influencer relationship and coverage, you know, that there still comes on top of that full due diligence you know i i am a a working reporter for the bbc i i'm a credible expert in my field of of knowledge and so when people pitch stories to me even if i've met them and consider them my influences i still do full editorial due diligence about whether or not it's a good story if it's a you know a balanced story you know i'm not doing promotional puff pieces for anybody i just want to clarify that because you know people do like to sit there and go oh what's going on there then but you know it's just a good way to work is to actually work with other people towards your common goals um what's it like working for the bbc do you know what it's amazing i'm the uh, next next month i'm going to japan for five days to uh you know we'll be looking not only do we get to go to um, you know, Japan and film, but we will also be given access because of our um, uh, credibility and our standing in, in broadcast globally. The BBC has got a very good name. So we always get in the most incredible access to, uh, you know, the cu most cutting edge stories. And we get to see and, and try things and put our hands on things 
um, long before everybody else and some really exciting stuff. So um, it's just thrilling and I feel so incredibly lucky. I sometimes worry that they're going to realise that I would do it without being paid. Um, <laughs> uh, but also, you know, there is a tremendous responsibility to our audience because we are the public service broadcaster um, and, you know, we are watched by so many people. And, and plus social media gives our audience incredible access to us for feedback and also a majority of our audience are actually probably more technically knowledgeable than me. So, you know, there's a tremendous pressure to get it right. And when you get it wrong, then um, there's a, obviously a lot of pressure uh, on you to respond and correct as well. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a challenge. I love I love the challenge. I love the pace of working in, you know, you said in your introduction, all the different things that I do. And, and that's what I love about my life, being freelance and having a, a number of different aspects to my what we call a portfolio career, I guess you'd say. Um, it, that's what keeps me alive is that that change um, and that con constant sort of striving to understand more and, and and expand into the world is is what really I think is at the core of what drives me. So, Kate, uh, first of all, I'm a huge fan of Click and the fact that I'm speaking to you right now, it's like a dream come true. You just mentioned you're going to, to <laughs> Japan, which happens to be one of my ca favorite countries. I I call it the the wonderland because it's as scary and wonderful at the same time um so definitely exciting to see what what you're going to find out in japan and what's uh, the most exciting tech oh, coming great. out of there uh whether well, it's going to be a robot <laughs> or who knows like a new dating app there's so many things going on in japan you never know um but let, let's talk a little bit about your you know, other side of you, you mentioned you wear a lot of hats and I think it's pretty cool. Like there seems like, it seems mm. like you have six different Kates or maybe more living inside of you. So um, <laughs> well, I would love to talk about a little bit about the streamer Kate Click, uh, if you don't mind. Um, yes. I know you're very passionate about yeah. gaming and uh, we all techies a little bit of a nerds and we love geeky stuff. So tell us a little bit, about first of all twitch and a little bit about the platform maybe a lot of some of our audience don't know what twitch is and how did you become a partner a partner twitch streamer what do you love about streaming a little bit sure well twitch about. so twitch is i guess if you um if you're not familiar with the platform it's like youtube um and in fact youtube is trying to be twitch now but but twitch is an online streaming platform where anybody with a webcam and an internet connection can or even just a microphone and an internet connection you don't have to be on camera can broadcast to the world you get your twitch account and then people can tune in and people can come and watch you free um and just participate you know they chat in the sidebar and watch what you're doing um but they can also subscribe uh, if you become partnered and to become partnered you just have to show a level of growth throughout a period of time and you apply to become a partner and being a partner means you get a revenue share on the um, five dollars a month uh, subscription that people pay they want the extra benefits of being part of your community and also the advertising revenue from um, the adverts that are played uh, within the platform um, you know YouTube are trying to do it now we're seeing more live stuff on YouTube YouTube tends to be a bit more of a 
when you when you watch something popular and you look at the chat, it's quite toxic. You know, there's quite a lot of there's a lot of people there, and there are a lot of random people. It's you know, YouTube attracts all sorts of people for all sorts of reasons. Generally, people go to Twitch because they want to watch people playing games because that's how the platform started. There are now create there's create a creative channel, there's an IRL channel, there's a social eating channel. Would you believe where people literally just sit on their webcam and eat their dinner and chat with people which is kind of weird but fun um but yeah people it's it's massively growing in popularity i think it's particularly we spoke about generation z the younger generation who are just starting university now they come in a, they come from a much more interactive world and i think their demands of their entertainment are you know they don't want to be a passive receiver of of just you know information through their eyes they don't want to sit and watch television they actually want to engage with other people when i'm streaming there'll be you know all of the regulars will be chatting to each other in the stream they'll in the in the chat box beside the stream they'll be chatting to me and i'll occasionally you know um, uh, talk to one of them or you know occasionally look over at the chat but generally if i'm gaming i'm kind of concentrating on on the game and and they chat amongst themselves but it's a much more social that, you know there's a lot of people who live on their own you know myself included and if if I was just sitting watching television at night it would just be me and my cats um but if I'm watching a, a stream there's a whole bunch of people that I've known for years that I can just chat with in in in, in the in the sidebar at the same time so it's incredibly fun and fulfilling for me also I've been really lucky to build um, a fantastic community um, a small but powerful community around my stream and they support me in anything that I do. So I've run two Kickstarters, which, you know, pretty much have been run, launched and then run through um, uh, through my Twitch stream. Um, you know, I've raised £24,000 across those two um, Kickstarters to help finance the um, publication of um, two of my novels. So I've got a, a, a science fiction and a, a, a sci-fi that are now in audiobook uh, you know, and, and regular book basis, you know, pub through a publisher because of that. They've also in the last three years helped me raise over £40,000 for a, a charity that I I do. We run charity streams you know, over Christmas every other year. I'll do um, 12 days of Christmas, you know, and every day I'll stream and we'll have a goal and, you know, I'll get giveaways. All my tech PR companies send me giveaways. So we have a nice sort of like, you know, festive thing over Christmas streaming for four hours a day and, uh, you know, regularly raise seven or eight thousand uh, pounds for that brilliant charity and and over over four years or so I think probably close to 40,000 pounds my my followers directly involved in my stream have helped raise for for special effect who are a wonderful charity who help people with physical disabilities keep sounds playing awesome. games I, it, it sounds a little it reminds me a little bit about what we have here um, just generally in the tech in the tech community for instance what Sam is doing with a team I work with um, similar program it's all about like creating that sense of community so to speak even if you don't meet people you full you have a connection with them and you you create that sense of belonging is that is that is that does it is it similar to what you have with your with your Exactly. I mean, it's, it's it comes back to the whole this whole influencer marketing thing as well, right? Um, you know, that in my own right within that community, I've created my own community of influence, and them being an an elevated um, role within that community by participating actively, you know, helping to you know helping to promote things, raising that gives them elevated status within their community. So we're all kind of 
we're all kind of resting on each other's shoulders in many respects. Um, but it's all about community online. That's what I think. That's why I get so excited when I see companies who get it. You know, it's not online isn't a mouthpiece to shout at people about what you do. You know, it's not like traditional advertising or it's not like traditional marketing, outreach, PR, whatever you want to call it. It's it's about community. Uh, I see so many organisations using social media in a really unsocial way and nothing makes me happier than when, you know, I'm chatting about a brand in a jokey way, like we were joking about Marmite <laughs> uh, on my Twitter feed the other day. And then Marmite pipes up. I, th- I think I actually saw, oh, oh no, that's right. And, uh, and then I, I saw a, 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 a sort of a meme of a guy who's being interviewed, interviewed for the news and a Greg's bakery bag has just blown completely across his face. And somebody shared that and I was like, oh, I bet the um, I bet the Greg's Bakery PR executive is, you know, off just off camera sort of like rubbing <laughs> their hands with glee. And then before you know it, Greg's Bakery is a big bakery in the UK, um, big bakery chain. Um, they tweet back going, um, it took us six attempts to get that <laughs> right. So, you know, it's kind of yeah. that kind of social interaction for me is really what what being part of the digital you community is You never know when the bat... Uh, bad advertising campaign is going to backfire where free PR opportunity is going to come up. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you're very passionate about your Twitch community. Um, just to go a little bit back on the not so positive things about social community, I think we, we all face different challenges, you know, whether it's some toxic relationship on Facebook or, you know, everyone's familiar mm-hmm. with YouTube trolling and all sorts of social media trolling. Yeah. I've, I've found across, so I've, I've, it seems like recently there has been a lot in the media about, you know, a, a little bit of a gender bias that it's unspoken in Twitch community. And there's quite a lot of female gamers and, you know, a lot of generally female streamers, but there seems to be like a unspoken bias. So uh, without, you know, putting words in your mouth, I just really want to know, because as someone who's completely outside the community, what it really is like to be a female streamer. What is your experience? And, you know, maybe give a few tips to a young gamers, whether girls or boys out there who are going to streaming, like a few tips. Sure. I mean, this, this kind of extends to the broader sort of uh, the broader notion that girls get treated badly, uh, you know, in online gaming communities. And in my um, 35 years of experience, I started gaming in 1984. I've been an avid online gamer, actively participating in competitive, um, you know, clan structures, um, probably since the uh, mid 90s. Um, And it's been a huge part of my life. And in my entire life of gaming, I have only ever once had a problem with somebody um, who has been that has been um, uh, gender based, um, and you know, and this guy took it w- way too far and started trying to interfere with my real life because um, I don't know what was wrong with him. He just had this grudge. He, maybe it was jealousy or whatever. Maybe I didn't uh, give him the attention that he felt that he deserved. But he went basically postal. And do you know what I did? I didn't talk about it at all. I phoned the police. I phoned the police and I said this is happening uh you know and they came and they dealt with it and and i think that that's one of the problems that we have with the bad uh, reputation that the, the the treatment of women has in gaming is 
yes, there's been a massive imbalance in, in years gone by. Of course, I grew up as the only girl gamer, uh, you know, in, in, in when I was working for games magazines, writing reviews in, in 95. I was the only female in the office, it's true. But that's changed. And I was reading one article about this Twitch streamers you won't hear about because they're female. And they open the article with a statement that says women are a huge minority in gaming. Well, according to the latest numbers from the uh, the UK, which is the UK entertainment industry, um, in, from 2017, of the 32.4 million gamers in the UK, making us the fifth largest gaming market in the world, 48% are women. Right. And yes, you can find environments where it's mostly men. You know, if you go to certain Call of Duty servers or, you know, first person shooter servers where, you know, there is this kind of you've got this locker room kind of um, uh, mentality. You can find isolated gaming communities that are all, you know, young testosterone fueled men. But for the vast majority of gamers, um, you know, we're social gamers, we're casual gamers, um, and we're very, very diverse. My community is incredibly diverse. They range from um, age 12 up to, you know, 70. Um, I've, we've got, I've got at least three transgender um, uh, lovely ladies in my community. I've got, um, you know, sort of uh, lots of people who um, you, are from different cultures and different backgrounds, um, you know, it, and we're all men, women, you know, we're, some of us are shy, some of us are gregarious, some of us are, you know, we are, we are the mishmash of human nature that exists in the world. And I think it's so unfortunate because the mainstream media, it gets, it, it, it survives by getting you to click on headlines. And the way you click on head, get someone to click on a headline is you make it a headline that's shocking or exciting or engaging. And unfortunately, bunch of um, diverse gamers have a lovely evening on a Friday evening and nothing bad happened is not going to get headline clicks, right? The stories that get headline clicks are, oh, girl was treated incredibly badly, you know, rape threats, this threat, blah, blah, blah. Well, yes, sometimes you'll go onto a server and somebody who's being competitive with you will start trying to break you down verbally, you know, nervel at you, needle you, try and find the thing that makes you bite. And you know, for me, that's not being a woman. You you can you can say, oh, you play like a girl. Fine, I play like a girl because I am a girl, and I'm going to kick <laughs> your butt. So you know, it doesn't change. But um, you know, some people react badly to that, and then that's you know they've got their trigger, they've got the thing that they can nerve you on. And unfortunately, a small minority of what I'm going to call quite um, contrarily, I'm going to call them career victims. Um, you know they make money out of writing three-page spreads for the for the uh, the Guardian about how awful it is being a woman in technology, but that's not my experience, and it's not the experience for the for everybody that I know. You know, one of my beautiful um, uh, friends um, has started to get a single person coming into their Twitch stream and just being you know aggressive and horrible. But hey, do you know what? You can mute that person. And that's one person, um, you know, and unfortunately they started trying to, you know, make secondary accounts and, and uh, you know, and, 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 and then come in again. And, and so that's why it even caught our attention because this one person was persistently trying to, um, uh, trying to upset Nats. Um, but, you know, after half a dozen bans, they run out of email addresses. They can't sign up for any more accounts. And, you know, well, there you go. It's, you know, and you've got to feel sorry for somebody like that. You do, you've just spent 10 minutes, like, we, we blocked you from the channel so you've just spent 10 minutes 
getting yourself a new email address and just to come in and get blocked again like one sentence later it's like a pretty it's it says more about how you spend your life and what you know what you've got that's important in your life that um that that you can spend time doing that that says more about him than it does about anybody else well what all I can say it's really refreshing to hear that diversity is is right there and I think at the end of the day toxic people come in all different shapes and they do and particularly in gaming because if you're being competitive with somebody they're going to run through if they're that kind of person they're going to run through the gamut of things that they think they can pick on until they hit the one that gets a rise from you because when they've got a rise from you um then you're not performing at your peak it's as simple as that um and it's 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 just a strategy and you just need to uh, use the big old internal mute button and and I think the more people run around you know the fringes of the mainstream media perpetuating this sort of myth that women are the minority and and that you know we're treated dreadfully everywhere we go um because unfortunately that you know that puts parents off letting their girls play games uh you know so in some ways it holds us back in that respect but um you know d- Honestly, I've no reason to lie about this, but I'm I, I'm a 50 year old gamer who's been gaming, you know, seriously for at least 30 years, and only once have I ever had to deal with somebody who had some kind of pro- obsessive problem about my gender. Different track, but let's look back at Insight again for a moment. You joined us for the Women in Technology luncheon and panel, and we'd like to thank you for joining us. Yeah, it was a pleasure. It was was really, uh, really actually lovely to be at an event like that without having a role as well, because normally when I'm at a a women in tech event, I've got, you know, speaking to do or, you know, some kind of official role. It was really nice to actually just sit back and enjoy the talks and enjoy the discussion um, and, you know, enjoy the the chat around the table um, as well. So thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, One of the panelists, Barb Hardy, uh, NetApp's Global Head of Diversity, Inclusion and Belonging, she created something she calls the Barb List, which are tips for achieving your personal and professional goals. And uh, prior to recording this podcast, uh, we shared that list with you ahead of time. Uh, Can you tell us what resonated in that list that you saw and and why? Yeah, I mean, first of all, uh, it was really, it really made me happy to see that it was non-gendered, right? I mean, those 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 things work for anybody. Um, but I know it was written, um, you know, for, for um, you know, to, to help improve diversity. Um, and the, the, they all really resonated with me um, uh, a lot. But the one that I think um, particularly um, sort of shines for me is lift as you climb. And I think we can sometimes forget that, um, maybe particularly as women, that it seems to be more of a bro code in business that, you know, they work together, teamwork to, to get to the top. Whereas I think a, a lot of women can can see, um, can feel threatened by other women in similar line, lines of work. I know that I've mentored um, quite a few now, um, young um, uh, female technology um, journalists and personalities and people who want to be on TV. And they're always a bit shocked and surprised that, um, uh, like Georgie Barrett is a perfect example. She presents uh, Channel 5's Gadget Show. She got in touch with me. She said, look, I've, you know, I've just started in this industry. I'd love to pick your mind. And I said, yeah, let's meet for a drink. And I'm happy to share any and all resources. Um, you know, and she was like, I think she was a bit taken out. She was like, oh, you know, 
most people wouldn't do this you know most people feel you know feel a little bit you know that they want to sort of protect their um income and their empire if you like and and another female technology presenter is is a threat but i don't see it that way i you know i I literally don't have enough days in my diary to do all, do all of the speaking jobs that I'm invited to do and do all of the education jobs and go to all of the women in tech meetings. And for me, the ideal situation would be for more there to be more people like me available. You know, I, I mean, I do like I love going around and doing the events and stuff. But I, you know, I've got books to write as well. I've got other things that I want to do. Um, and I, I think if you always remember to lift people as you climb because the other thing is those people will go on as you branch off I remember early in my um, TV career uh, and I worked um, with um, you know sort of young producers we did this thing called dot tv on sky which was kind of low budget we were producing five hours a day of original programming about technology and it lasted for a couple of years and there were we were a lot of rookies all all in it together because the pay wasn't that great and there weren't that many people watching it you know it was a bit of a trial for for sky um to see if it would work um and um you know the, even today years on i get emails or, or or messages from from people that i haven't seen for you know 15 years who i used to work with on such and such a production you know and they say hey i'm working for channel 4 now i'm doing this thing this this job came up and we think you'd be perfect for it you know are you available so if you lift people as you go up then when you sort of separate and go from your own ways you know they'll you'll, they'll continue on a trajectory hopefully in line with yours and you may have the opportunity to to connect later on in life and 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 for them to help you or vice versa so i think an ally is is a much um a much stronger uh you know much better thing than an enemy and and why wouldn't you want your allies to be climbing at the same speed as you and and yet that, that brings up another uh item on the barb list which is that relationships matter and for me, that's that's huge. That's the one that you know I, I really um, think is the secret of what I do in terms of influence marketing, right? And you know, mm. you're you're sharing examples of you know, 15 years later, you're still hearing from people you worked with back then. So clearly, you're doing a good job of that as well. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I hope so. I love people too, though, you know, and I've got this mad enthusiasm and positivity for technology. I hear a lot of, you know, a lot of people knock technology or blame technology for this out of the other. Um, and I sort of am the self-appointed voice of, of positivity around technology. Sometimes, you know, sometimes people step in and say, you should be a bit more of a realist. And I'm like, fair enough, you know, you know i appreciate that and i understand your point of view and actually you know that's your job then isn't it you know that i think there needs to be balance and and i i do the voice of positivity well and i love sharing the benefit and the joy that i've had through technology with people who know less about technology you know that's i think that's my gift if you like the thing that i was put into the world to do was to assuage people's fears of technology and and help them uh, you know, obviously with a sensible amount of common sense in terms of personal protection. But, uh, you know, my my grandmother is uh, 96 now and she lives alone in. Um, that sounds really sad. It's not a sad story. This is a happy story. Um, she lives alone in the house that she's lived in for the last 50 years. 
um, because she has the internet and she's able to use it to um, order food to be delivered. Her home cares come in twice a day. She stays in touch with us on Facebook and, um, you know, sort of we, we stay in touch through text messages. But the only reason that she has, and of course she gets visitors regularly as well, but the only reason she has the independence to continue living in the house that she shared with her husband for 50 years is because she has the internet and she knows how to use it. So, you know, for that, and, and unfortunately, when you get to an age where you start needing the resources that are, that are online, it's too late to start learning then, right? Because you've already got a whole load of other stuff going on in your life that needs your focus and attention. So I think it's really important, particularly for people, you know, sort of in that sort of, I don't know, my age bracket, you know, and up to about, um, you know, 70 or whatever, who's still fully compassmentous and, you know, sort of fully active, um, you know, now's the time to get down with technology and to understand how to use it and feel comfortable with it. And the only way to, to do that is to use it regularly. There's a, a little old lady who's moved now, but she lived at the end of our street. And I got her online when her family moved to, um, when her son moved to Australia and got her, you know, helped her set up an iPad. And I became her her iPad tech support. She'd come around whenever there was a red notification. She'd just knock on the door and go, it's not working. But, you know, for her, and that, that was the disappointing thing is she would use it so infrequently um, so I'd sit down and give her a lesson. She'd be like, oh, yes, I remember it all now. And then she wouldn't use it for a month. Then she'd go back to me and she'd be like, oh, I can't remember. I think you need to find something that interests you enough to use it regularly enough for it to become muscle memory, you know, for you not to forget how to do things. Like when, when I have to reformat a hard drive because, you know, the computer's all crunched up, I have to go online and look up how to do that because I only do it every three years or so. So, of course, I don't remember how to do it, like step by step. Um, but the basic things like using email, using social media, using online shopping, stuff like that, if you, if you, if you can use it regularly enough, then it becomes second nature. And then when you need it, when you're in a situation where you can't leave the house and be more independent and travel, then you already have those skills just sort of, you know, happening automatically. So I think that's really important. I've, I've rambled on. I've gone completely off topic, haven't I, on that one? <laughs> well, actually, I think that's all very useful. And um, I want everyone to uh, to know that I have the online shopping down pat. So as I get older, <laughs> I'm not going to have any problem uh, with that. Yeah, but you work, for Net, you work for NetApp, so I would expect you to. <laughs> true, true, true. But, you know, there are people whose parents, you know, maybe work in a greengrocers or, uh, you know, there are people that for whatever reason have not had daily interaction with technology still, particularly in those age groups. And I would urge you, if you know anyone like that, just take the time to help them um, fall in love a little bit with technology because it will make their lives so much easier when they start to become less mobile. And if you're a direct family member, it will make your life easier, too, because you won't have to worry about them as much. You know, you'll have a way to stay in touch. So tell us, what do you think is next uh, up for you in, on the personal and professional front? Uh, well, so I've got, so I'm going to Japan in in in, um, in uh, February for five days with Click. I've also got, um, I do this wonderful event at Euro Disney um, uh, called Euro Study Tours. 
um, where we get um, 800 school kids in uh, the, one of the big auditoriums there and we give them a morning of lectures about, um, you know, sort of digital entrepreneurship, uh, you know, very, basically to prepare them for, to start thinking about life beyond A-levels and what they might do for work and stuff. Um, and then they go off and, and play in the um, in the amusement park for the afternoon and so do I. So I've got two, two of those next week, uh, next month. And then in, in March, I'm off to Madrid for five days for to hold to, to host a tech a travel tech conference called T3CH. So um, you know, lots and lots going on work-wise. I want to get started on my next book. I can't see I need more females to speak at events and do what I do so I can clear up some time in my diary and get on with my next book. That's a big plan. And then I've one of the big negatives of traveling with work is you do end up um, eating overeating a lot because you you know you go down with the best intentions in the world to have you know sort of porridge and fruit for breakfast but then you've got this sort of like the all you can eat fried buffet just sitting there and you're just like it's so hard not to just have everything um, and then of course Christmas so I've got about a stone and weight to lose um, I did try doing a, a random potato diet which I reported on Twitter everyone was very interested reported my uh, eating only potatoes for a week on Twitter, um, newsflash: It doesn't work. I, uh, I, I only lost one kilogram in a week, which, to be honest, I can lose. You know, just sort of cutting out sugar and 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 um, and alcohol for a week and doing a bit more exercise. So, only eating potatoes for an entire week with no fat, just a bit of seasoning, was um, an interesting experience. It does not sound like a pleasant experience. No. So I, I need that personal goal. I need to lose that weight. Um, and I'm actually just trying to reboot my um, I've got a Fitbit Alter HR, which I've been trying to get to sync with my phone all afternoon because I've decided, right, I'm going to go on another fitness spree. Um, but I, at the moment, my Bluetooth is uh, giving me giving me stress. So I'm not really sure how to fix that. That's 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 on my immediate to do list is to try to figure out how to get my my Fitbit reconnected with my phone after not using it for about six months. Well, uh, <laughs> I can top that. I bought uh, one, I bought a Fitbit, oh, I think maybe two years ago, and I haven't taken it out of the box yet. So, oh, yeah, I, that's I, like the, I, they say that the gym, gym memberships are the most um, un, unused purchase of, of, oh, of especially yeah. in January. I've done, I've done <laughs> that too. I've done that too. Anyway, Brilliant. so it's 2019. And mm. you are, you know, in tune with all the things that are happening from a t technology, consumer technology standpoint. What do you think is going to happen? What are we going to see this year that's going to be exciting or maybe not so exciting? Uh, I don't think we're going to see anything fundamentally new coming through in the next year. But I think we're going to see a, a, a massive increase or a continued massive increase in the use of voice assistants. Uh, you know, smart speakers. They're, and and because of that, because people are coming more familiar with using these smart seat speakers, like, um, I'm not going to say her name because she's sitting behind me, uh, but uh, the one from Amazon and also there's one from Google who's also sitting behind me. So I'm going to keep silent on both those fronts. Um, but I, uh, the thing that that has given us at the moment, you know, there's so many things for your smart home, right? There's Wi-Fi light bulbs, there's, uh, you know, um, your um, thermostat, heating thermostat. I've got a fire alarm um, or a, a smoke detector thing. Um, what else have I got? I've got um, uh, cameras, inside and outside cameras, um, you know, and lights in all the rooms and all these different things that you've got. And in order to 
control all of those actually you know a, a phone with loads of different apps you've got to open up a different app for every single one that that's been holding the smart home integration market back i think and now voice assistants are so massively used the 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 natural language processing technology has improved in leaps and bounds the last two years it's gone from a 25 percent error rate to a less than eight percent error rate which is much more manageable in terms of being understood by your devices. So it allows you to control all of these smart home devices just through a voice interface. Um, And that's really interesting because that makes the whole idea of smart home um, technology much more accessible to people who are not very sort of technically technically minded. Um, So I think we're going to see much more of that. And that was evident in, uh, you know, um, there was uh, the coverage that we did from CES this year on Click. Um, it was very evident. It was everything was smart home. Everything was voice activated um, or, or voice controlled. So, uh, you know, we're going to see it in radios. There was a study, car radios. There was a study that um, showed that in car radio, um, they they uh, filmed or studied people using uh, in car radios. And they looked at they looked away from the road when retuning to a station that they hadn't previously tuned or saved as favourite. Um, when they were using a touchscreen, they looked away from the road 14 times. When they were using voice, they looked away from the road twice. So there are massive safety implications of some of this technology beginning to be adopted into mainstream. And when we start seeing you know, your car sold with that technology um, and you becoming familiar using that technology, it goes back to what I was saying before about you know, it's this muscle memory, the familiarity. If we, if we get used to using something, then it becomes an integral part of other parts of our lives. I have uh, the voice assistants here and I'm always now, when I'm in a hotel room, you know, I'll always be like, I can't even say her name because she's going to shout, but you know, I always say, uh, um, you know, lights out when I lie in bed and then I realise, oh no, I've got to push the button because I'm not at home. So, <laughs> so it's, you know, I think, I think that, that for me is going to be the main trend is just, uh, you know, in terms of consumer trend um you know on a in a deeper sense um we're going to see the ethics of ai when we're talking about biz- on a more businessy side we're going to see the ethics of ai and its implications and uses and the impact of ai bias as well because of course any ai um any collection of data is only as good as the the, the people who input it and ultimately they, those were humans uh, you know, there was a, a great example that IBM showed me um, illustrating confirmate, uh, AI bias. Um, and that is um, they put a photograph of, uh, you know, there was a man who was recognized by this sort of being recognize your face and says what what's what gender, what age and what potential profession you are. And they put a man's photograph in, you know, and then he was, a, you know, an executive, middle aged executive, middle 50s executive. Um, and then they turned him sideways and it thought he was a, a 24-year-old hairdresser um, just because of the, the different composition of the picture. So when you start thinking about that, the, the computers aren't yet intelligent enough to understand the background context of what they've been given necessarily to be 100% reliable. And, you know, we see Cambridge Analytica, the problems that happened around the, the, the US election in 2016 and then Brexit, you know, and the influence that was attempted to... Um, to be levied because of data um, that was collected and given 
uh, collected by Facebook and given to to Cambridge Analytica. And fa- Facebook now have actually um, literally just announced that they are uh, investing seven and a half million euro, I think it might be, into a, a, a foundation in G- a university in Germany, um, which is actually looking at the it's going to be the AI ethical center or something or the center of, of, of AI ethics. Um, and these are all questions from a business sense as we begin to collect more and more data and there is more and more available to us and more and more intimate data as well as we're all wearing you know fitbits and you know we're carrying things around on us that, that give our constant location our our state of general health uh you know the, there's all sorts of information now being used or being collected so how is it we need to decide how, what's right to do with that like for example if if everybody in a city is wearing um, a Fitbit, we could use that in town planning. We could see, ah, which are the routes that people take? What are the roads that are going to need to be uh, repaired first? How can we restructure the town's layout in order to make life more convenient or, or, or time effective for the people who are who are using that town? There's kind of, you know, there's really good things that can come out of access to that data. Does this mean that we should routinely expect the data from our personal um, uh, wrist, you know, body attached trackers to be made available to government bodies or, you know, planning authorities or whatever? I don't know. There's a lot of ethical issues that need to be thought through in this field of AI. And I think um, I think that this is going to be a big theme of the next year as well. Well, I'm glad that it's, you know, that they're going to be looking into this because it's the good with the bad, right? Uh, we want, we mm, want to see the, exactly. yeah, we want to see the progress, but these are are things that are uh, worrisome, and it's good to know that there are, are. there are groups looking into this. Um, that example you provided about the photo that was that's pretty um, concerning. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, at the the same token, you've got to look at all the positives that are possible from it. So, you know, there are certain people who would look at that story and and be fearful. You know, it's another reason not to trust technology. And unfortunately, you know, the media organization, the mainstream media, that will be the story that they cover. Right. Um, you know, they won't cover all the many incremental good things about uh, that branch of technology um, that we need to be careful that we don't throttle by overregulating or, um, you know, sort of uh, creating any barriers to, to, to innovation and development within that field. So it's a really careful balancing act. Um, and, and that's, you that's know, where you come in, right? I mean, you can exactly <laughs> you can shape a story so that you are presenting the positive and as well as touching on the negative, of course, the, you know, the balance. We we look to exactly. you for balance, Kate. Yes, exactly. And that's what I love about Click, you know, because we're not hardcore news, although we do we, we do have a news kind of ethic behind what we do because we we sit as part of the BBC World Service, uh, you know, sort of news channel. Um, but we have a much more, um, I guess, speculative outlook, I guess you'd say. Um, and it does mean the opportunity is there to do many more positive stories than there are negative stories. So although we do sometimes blow blow negative stories out of the, you know, blow, blow certain claims that certain produce, you know, product manufacturers make. Um, and we've done that a few times. And we always have to step very carefully because we don't want to get sued. But there is, you know, on occasion, we've also been able to say, do you know what? This person is saying this about their product and it's not true. And we've proved it. So we, we do do that too. But it's it's less frequent than the um, nice fluffy stories about the wonderful things there are in technology. <laughs> 
I, I was listening to you as you were talking and I was thinking of our uh, our lovely friends whose names shall not be mentioned so that they will not break <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I too have yes. one of those behind us. Um, and I do find that uh, using it has been very, very convenient for me. Uh, and I and I think that that will only uh, improve, especially as language processing uh, evolves so that, you know, she understands what I'm saying, she or he, depending on the voice assistant. Um, but what yeah. But, you know, this is why diversity is important as well, because at the moment, a lot of the sort of uh, product um, manufacturing, testing and research and development teams are all middle aged white males. Uh, you know, and, and these devices are known to have a problem with, uh, you know, cultural mm -hmm. accents, regional accents. Uh, you know, they understand men better than they do women. So this is another reason why it's really important that we get a good representation of every kind of person with every kind of voice working in these kinds Absolutely. of places. I completely agree. We always tend to ask a, a bonus question, if you will, on our podcasts. And it's one that we usually don't send over so that we don't give you any time to prepare for it. I know. I saw that on the brief. I'm um, excited. And this question actually is something that uh, I was really impressed by. Um, and I don't know if you've heard it or you followed it online, but there's been uh, quite a lot of discussion since at the beginning of the year, Netflix released a series with uh, Marie Kondo about uh, tidying up with Marie Kondo. And she has her oh, right. yes. okay. method, yeah. uh, of cleaning up and getting yes. your house in order. But as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about the mindfulness of things and how we identify you know, the things that bring us joy. Um, and that, you know, when we find something that doesn't bring us joy, that, that we need to find a way to part with those things. Um, I think that it not just for yeah. physical things, but I think in our digital lives and there are, there are things that we can do that help us to be more mindful of what we're doing and how we live and function. What do you think, um, yeah. just keeping with this analogy, what do you think there are things that we can do to clear out our digital lives so that we continue to find happiness and joy? Oh, interesting. Do you know what? When I, if, if, when I look around me now, I have so many pieces of technology, uh, you know, with so many um, methods of communication with the outside world, and they all have apps and notifications. And, and my friends are always stunned when they see my phone, because I literally have hundreds of unviewed notifications on every single app uh you know my my friends are constantly frustrated by me because they'll send me uh, and they'll, they'll tend if they want to get in touch with me urgently they'll contact me across four different mediums you know there'll be a message on twitter dms there'll be a message on whatsapp there'll be a message on facebook you know in the hope that i happen to look at one of them within a time frame because i i'm not addicted to checking up on messages and maybe it's partly because i'm always so focused on what I'm writing or a bit of research that I'm doing or a game that I'm playing, um, you know, that I tend not to sort of be constantly grabbing and checking my phone. And and if I see a notification on my, uh, you know, he's got this sort of list of things, oh, there's so many notifications on that app or whatever. It, honestly, it doesn't bother me. I just leave it. Um, and that's given me a lot of peace from um, this sort of technology addiction, I think. And also it's it's given me a slightly different relationship with my friends in that they don't just have this expectation that I will instantly answer them, you know, whenever they have a, a message for me. And if they really, really want to speak to me urgently, they can pick up the phone and call me. That's my, that's kind of, you know, at the end of the day, I am a digital citizen, um, but I'm not glued to watching for uh, mentions of my name on um, communications apps. 
Um, and I'll sometimes go days without looking at them. So if you need me urgently, give me a call. Um, and I think that's really helpful. I think if you if you can't do that, and I think if you just, and there are apps that will help you do this as well. Rescue Time's a great one. Um, I think it's important to make sure that there are periods during your week or during your day that you're not being constantly um, barraged by uh, incoming communications, that there isn't a temptation to, you know, oh, check the check how many likes you've had on this post or, you know, check what the latest happening is. At the moment, I'm a little bit obsessed with following um, the US political scene. I'm sure you can understand why. Um, you know, and, and and it would be really easy to sort of like just go or oh, just have a look at the quick headlines or, you know, what's he tweeted today or, you know, stuff like that. And I think you need to carve out time in your work day, ideally once a day, you know, maybe two or three hours where you just you're not connected, that you just sit down, get head down and get on with stuff. Um, and also the other thing that and, and this was I can't remember who said it. I think was it it might even have been at your event. But somebody said this to me. Um, do you have a to do list? Right. All of you. You all have to do lists, yeah, right? Cecilia, Sam, Pet well, yeah. I've actually I'm actually trying to move away from a to do list. But keep going. Keep going. OK, well, I love my list. I have a to do list. Do you have a to think about list? That I can say I definitely do not have. Huh. See, this is this is and I think it was a, so we were talking about entrepreneurial traits and attitudes. And if you're just doing the things that you know you need to do and if you're if you if you're sort of if you fill your time so thoroughly with doing the stuff that you know you need to do, when are you ever going to get the chance to think about how you progress? Hmm. When are you ever going to get the chance to just to just look at the bigger picture and say, where am I going with this? You know, how do I get to the next level that I want to get to? And you, you need to make time for that, especially if you're busy. Like me as a freelancer, I'm busy. There's always something I can be doing, like all weekend. You know, and, I, and I'm bad for it, actually, because generally Saturday and Sunday, the first thing I'll do when I sit down with my coffee is I'll go through my emails. You know, and, and I I know people who, who engage me for work who email me on the weekend as well. So there's no... There's no two day weekend for me, but I do make sure that I get a couple of hours every day where I'm not kind of glued to technology and that I do take take time to think about, you know, what the next story I want to write is or what the next package I want to do or just to do, do a bit of research on a random topic that I haven't ever uh, looked at before, um, you know, and see if it sparks any ideas. Um, and I think people make the mistake, particularly successful people, you know, they reach a level of success and they become so busy that they forget about progression. They forget that, you know, not necessarily for the money, but, you know, for a lot of people, myself included, if I get too good at something and I'm doing it all the time, you know, no matter, you could be paying me £200,000 a year, you know, it's a great job, but I'm doing the same thing every day and I'm really, really good at it. I'm the best I am at it and there is no way for me to get better and no way for me to advance doing that thing. Well, it's not going to be long before I want a change. So you need to make sure that you, you know, give yourself time to think about how you change, how you progress and how you grow every day. Um, and I think that's a really healthy work life balance as well. Work, work, life, future balance. <laughs> so you need you need your, your life, you, you know, make sure you family time, friend time, whatever, away from work time. Good amount of work time, but then a good amount of thinking about the future as well. I think this is excellent advice. Uh, definitely food for thought. I have written on my 
the to-do to list that I'm trying to uh, move away from. I'm, I'm trying to do something called time blocking, but um, I have listed things like investigate such and such. And, you know, the sad thing is, is that I don't usually get to those things. They keep you never do them because right. they're on your to-do list right. and there's always a do that's ahead of them. Right. <laughs> there's always a have to do or a perceived have to do. And yeah. so I think that uh, maybe in the future, I'm going to be time blocking for forward thinking. Yes, there you go. Brilliant. I love it. I'll have to look into that's probably going to be my next thing that I'll randomly research is is, is time blocking because it sounds like that might be right up my street. Well, that's excellent. I'd, I've never thought in terms of uh, thinking of it that way and thinking of taking that time to plan not just work life, but future balance. So uh, mm. I, I will say your ability to leave all those little red circles on your phone it gives me a little anxiety, a little palm. My palms are a little sweaty about that. But uh, my husband's like you. I I'll say to him, oh, my God, John, you've got, you know, 95 Facebook notifications. He says, so? It's like, oh, oh I know. okay. You, and, and, and he, you know, he's like always complaining. Well, geez, nobody's following me on Twitter. Well, John, you actually have to engage with people. You have to, you have to tweet. So he gets super excited if, you know, he gets like one or two new followers. But but anyway, yeah, I, I really. I, I, I think I get it from it runs in the family because my little brother, I saw him a, cu a couple of weeks ago and I, I looked at his phone for some reason. He's got 5,000 oh. un, unanswered text messages oh, on his phone. Right. Now, that for me was that was over the top. I was just like, what? How do you even get that many? He's like, oh, I don't know. He has a lot of friends, apparently. <laughs> I think they're mostly work things, but, oh, yeah. but I love that he just doesn't pay any attention to his work colleagues. <laughs> That's yeah. Well, that might not uh, work out for him, you know, uh, down the road, but uh, good for, good for him. <laughs> well, thank you, Kate. You have been such a wonderful guest. I really, I could probably listen to you all day. Oh, bless you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. We know you have uh other things going on, but we really appreciate the time you took to uh, spend with us today. Yeah, this was this was fun. And to our listeners out there, we know you have a bunch of podcasts you could be listening to. So we appreciate the time you take to spend with us. We hope you will add us to your queue of must-listen podcasts, and we'd love to hear your feedback. What works? What doesn't work so well? What would you like to hear about in our next episode? We encourage you to email us at ng-tentpodcast at netapp.com with your questions and your comment. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. 